0: Welcome to episode 5 of the Lalo podcast. Episode 5, this is crazy. I am so excited for today's episode, which I know I say for every episode, but I genuinely am excited. But I am speaking with Yolanda Moore today. Yolanda is a two-time WNBA champion who played basketball at University of Mississippi and was a three-time All-Southeastern Conference post player. She obtained her bachelor's degree from the University of Mississippi with a double major in English and radio and television. She then went to play her first two years in the WNBA with the Houston Comets. Following her WNBA career, she has coached women's basketball at LSU Eunice, Southeastern Louisiana, and Clark Atlanta. Also, she was the post-game radio analyst for the Memphis Grizzlies in 2007, and in 2010, she was inducted into the Ole Miss Sports Hall of Fame. She is now a certified executive life coach and career strategist with 15-plus years of experience and is a best-selling author with multiple books, which her new book, Leverage, The Athlete's Guide to Beginning a Life and Career of Purpose After Sports is coming soon. My God, a woman, okay, a woman. I cannot wait for you guys to hear what we talk about today. We talk about sports and being an athlete, but we also talk about being a powerful black woman in the corporate space and what that looks like and what challenges we face and what is required of us to win in life. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, wait! Let me, let, me, let me chill. Hey, wait! Let me let it! You better get the better. are the better, if the better, if the better, if the are if the better, 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 are fire.
1: They're fire. Listen, you're so stylish, just like your mom. Thank
0: you. (laughs) I've become a minimalist recently, so I'm kind of trying to figure out what that means and the style, trying to figure out what that looks like. But, you know, I take from her, so it's been cool.
1: (laughs) When I hear minimalist, I hear.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the goal. I mean, that's the life that we want to live. And it reminds me of Steve Jobs. Like he seemed like a pretty easy guy to just wear the same shirt every day. So I don't know. I thought I'd try it out.
1: See if life gets easier. Well, they look good on you.
0: I like them. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. Um, I really wanted to make sure that I have representation from women especially who have done unconventional things by you know stepping into careers or areas that require a lot but then move into a place that many people have access to but still required the best of us and I believe that you're a great representation of that and you have done so many things in your life <laughs> um the obvious, which is being a two-time WNBA champion, and you've recently moved into your book that's out, um, Speaking to Individuals. You're you're an executive life coach for 15-plus years. Um, you really help people develop their careers after being an athlete. You were a basketball coach for three different colleges, so many different things. How does Yolanda today feel about her life, considering where you started by winning these championships and, and where you are now?
1: I feel great about my life. I've had like I've had a lot of different types of transitions. Um, some were intentional, some were unintentional, but they've all provided experiences that have helped me to mature, helped me to um, develop relationships, to build a, a master, a skill set. And also um, that has created kind of like this foundation where I can walk into any room and know that I have va- that, I can add value to the space. So I feel great about my life and my experiences.
0: I love that. Cause I think um, there's this kind of space that people in my generation are in right now, especially that so many of us are kind of on autopilot working through life. And there's this fear that we won't feel fulfilled or like we've made a mark in life in some way. So to know even after doing so many things and still building on that in a different space that still feels fulfilling for you.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I understand that desire to have that fulfillment. Obviously, when you're an athlete, um, as far as especially for as long as I was an athlete and to get to the highest point, you know, like playing in the WNBA, WNBA. but when you're like an elite level athlete, like I played a, a top, you know, 25 pro college program, won high school state championships, like I've competed on, you know, the national stage with AAU and all those things. You any athlete that plays a sport for so long and you make it to the pinnacle of that sport, there's a, you do it for the love of the game. Um, And back then when I played, there was no, like the WNBA was just forming and child, we were making, you know, we were being paid in monopoly money. So it wasn't even real money. You know what I'm saying? So
0: we had to have,
1: you know, a deep love and connection for the game and, of course, there was fulfillment. You get fulfillment mm-hmm. from being in your, what you believe to be your assignment, I believe, you know, or, or your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And so once the struggle with a lot of athletes is when we leave our sport, we're trying to recreate that same passion and fulfillment in other areas. Right. And we we don't know how to do that. We don't always have the tools. And so to your point, you know, with the generation that you guys this generation of of young adults, there is, it seems like this sense of urgency for you all to have accomplished so much by a certain age. And I'm like, slow down. You know, (laughs) like just (laughs) just slow down. And and I while we have technology, we have all these things, all these different opportunities that are available, I think it's so overwhelming for you all because there are so many opportunities. You haven't had the chance to really get to know what you like or who you are, or, you know, and I I believe wholeheartedly you should try all the jobs. Mm. Like you should do all the things until you figure out, okay. And and while you're trying all the jobs, you figure out, okay, I like this Mm -hmm. about this job. I don't like this so much. So next time when I transition to my next role, I'm going to look to do more of this and less of that. And you can only learn that by doing and having those experiences. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If if it's, yeah. it's better to know, you know, you get yourself, find yourself in a space or in a, in a role. And I mean, for me, it doesn't take long to know if this is going to be a good fit or not. And if you have the awareness to, to determine, okay, or to identify, this is not going to be a good fit for me. And if it's not a good fit for me, it's definitely mm. not going to be a good fit for you. So that's not, and I don't yeah. call that job hopping, I just call it, it's just exploration. I mean, having been a coach, I always wanted players on my team who wanted to be there, uh, right? who felt like uh, they had something to contribute and also felt like our teams had could help them to uh, position them or develop them and our team and staff, develop absolutely. them into the person they needed to be to have the life that they wanted to have. And if I wasn't equipped, if my staff wasn't equipped to do that, let me help you find another team. You don't need to stay there for three years exactly. and then your fourth year. Oh, this isn't a good fit. Well, you almost done now, you know, so I don't <laughs> I, might as well stay. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, I I don't think that I don't see an issue with, you know, somebody in your age bracket doing a lot of different things until you find that one thing. Because we're always searching for Ugh. that one thing. And having done basketball, having been a coach, having played, having worked in different corporate spaces, and now in the world that I'm in now and the work that I'm doing now, I've taken parts of all of those things and it helped me to develop a skill set that I can go anywhere in the world and, like I said, out, add value and be great at it. Absolutely. I love that you said, you
0: believe in finding your space, finding the place that you want to be in and not being afraid to say, if it's two months in one position and I'm like, this is not working for me, I have to go. There shouldn't be any fear behind that because mental health is also something in our generation that has come up a lot. And um, I think we have more access to it than, I don't want to say your generation in like a disrespectful way. Yeah, you can say my generation, yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> our mental health, our mental health, help was get over it. Like that was our mental yeah, health, literally. Really. So yeah. it was get over it. This is but life. I, yeah, absolutely. Now, when I say that, I, I when I say that, let me. I don't mean you get in a space and you don't want to do the work, so you leave, or you don't want mm. anybody telling you what to do, or you feel like you've been here for ninety days and now you need to be the director. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you have, you know, you've gone to school or you've developed a skill and you know the culture isn't, you're not a good fit for the culture, the culture isn't a good fit for you. If if it's causing, you know, if it is causing you some mental anguish, if it is a toxic environment, Mm. then, you know, that's like being in a bad relationship. Why are we going to wait for it to get worse? Like, just let's just cut our losses right now. Exactly. But there are times when, you know, I do think that, your generation need to, like, you You do need to kind of settle in and give yourself time to grow. I, I believe that, <sighs> you know, y'all want to move a, a, a little bit faster than you're probably ready for. I mean, I've worked in corporate spaces where we've had, um, you know, kids who graduated from college in their 22, 25, maybe they've gotten an MBA, but they've never had a job. But Because they have an MBA, they come into a management role where now they are leading teams of people who are their parents age and they have no they have no point of reference. They have no tools in their tool, you know, in their wheelhouse. So they are ill equipped outside of what they learned in a textbook. And so it is in those moments where, yes, you need to stay. Because you can't get out of the fire, out of the frying pan, just because it's too hot. You got to figure out the right temperature. I'm not talking about those situations where you need to be on the job to learn. But if it's a situation where, look, I've had a job, like I'm talking about me personally. I've had a role. I knew two weeks in, this is not a good fit. I went to my manager. I hate the term manager, but our team leader, I went to him. I was like, look, I'm not a good fit for this. This ain't going to be, this ain't going to work out for the boat. This is not going to be fun for either of us. And yeah, you know, yeah. his comeback was, we'll just stay in it 6 months and see how you sir, it's 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 not going to be different in 6 months. I can tell you that. Let's just cut <laughs> our losses both ways. But again, I'm a lot older. I've had a lot more experiences and now I'm at a level in my career where I have mastered a skill set. And so I know my lane mm-hmm. versus somebody, you know, who's younger. You're just still trying to figure it out. But I still say, don't be afraid, you know, if something doesn't work out in a year, two years, don't be afraid to switch. And you may not even have to switch companies. You may just need to switch roles. It may not even be the company. Mm -hmm. It may just be the job. Or the manager. Maybe switch teams. (laughs) Because
0: sometimes the managers, it's just, it's a a personality thing. It's not that you don't have the skills or, you know, the company might not just work for who you are and I, I TikTok all the time. Like I make TikTok videos and one thing that I really talked about on there was something that you touched on, which was slowing down mm-hmm. and then also having experience and not being afraid to step into new spaces that might be uncomfortable. Um allowing yourself to be vulnerable and knowing that you might not be the best person in the room or fully equipped to be in that room, but you are in that room for a reason. So when you're mentoring individuals that are athletes previously, or even if they weren't athletes, but they're going into these um, roles and trying to kind of find their path, what are some things that you find that they struggle with That makes them either feel not empowered to move into the direction that they want to go in or into their passionate fields Mm -hmm. or kind of what holds them back, like character traits
1: or things that they could work on to become better. I think. um, Well, here's one of the biggest things is just managing the, the responsibility of it all, because. You don't have someone, especially athletes, our whole lives and schedules are dictated for us. We know what time we have practice, we know what time we have games, what time we have to be on the bus, our class schedules are, are mapped out for us. We, if we have treatments that we have to go to or doctor's visits, we don't even we don't even, you know, schedule those on our own. Like our athletes ha- are are handheld the entire time that they are in those spaces, and then having to step out of that. And every, the responsibility is on you. And it's not even just athletes, but just young people, period, especially those who have had the fortune, who've been fortunate enough to have a supportive family group. And they've had parents who have been there and, you know, kind of like guiding them and, and being able to help them make decisions. Well, now, if you are out here, you know, and you're being a big girl or a big boy um, and you're being a whole adult and that responsibility is on you, it can be overwhelming. So, some of the things that I I see mm. that are some of the skill set that I see that is missing is number 1 mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Some stuff you just going to have to go through. You can't learn it unless you go through it. Um the second thing is just self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah. It's okay to be in your feelings, but you can't stay there. Like, you know, like you can be in your feelings but you can't you can't stay there and being able to understand being able to receive feedback knowing that you you're not like you just said it's it's hard for somebody who's always been catered to um to come into a space where now you're not the, you're not the best person you're not the smartest person in the room you're not the top performer nobody's rolling out the red carpet for you so now you're having to you know, I, I dare I say prove yourself. I can't really think of another word, but you're having to you're you having to um, you're having to prove your worth now yeah. because companies are investing, you know, 60, 70, hundreds of thousands of dollars into you and they want an, a return on their investment. So just understanding, being aware, being emotionally um, intelligent, having self-awareness and understanding. Being knowing what, being confident in the things that you know, but being honest about the things that you don't know, so that mm. you can ask questions. And that's the other thing: knowing, um, asking the right questions, but asking the right person the right questions. Right? Mm. I, um, I, I mentor since I've been in, in my current role at my current job. Um, I've mentored a lot of early in career uh, professionals, meaning these babies just graduated and graduated college in May. And they started here at this global fortune 100 company in August. And they're like, okay, mind blow. I don't even know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to, how to, how to have a a career conversation. They don't know how to advocate for themselves. So I would say that the thing that's missing the most is just those basic human Mm. skills. Not even the you know the tech because y'all look y'all run tech okay because y'all y'all know the tech stuff but just the just the human skills like how to have a conversation how to say I'm not okay without breaking down crying on a temper tantrum <laughs> like just just basic yeah. human.
0: It's interesting that you say um, when I was working at Salesforce, my I had a an, an associate talent scout role, and uh, my role was to basically look for um, diversity and inclusion candidates that were new grads and going into internships. And I got in trouble a couple of times because I would screen them and they wouldn't maybe speak the best or they didn't have any experience. Like a lot of them, did, you know, was a tech company. So they did these projects and were so smart, but they didn't have that thing that I felt like they could step into even an internship and be prepared for. But then we would have some candidates who worked their entire time in college while my, not having those like projects and those skills that were needed, they could talk me down. And I was like, look, I'm going to put you through. And there were a few times where, you know, leadership was like, they don't really fit. And I'm like, just give them a chance to speak. And they can; these things can be taught and they can learn. But one thing that you spoke about was mental toughness, knowing who to ask, how to ask questions, and also not being a victim of your emotions for too long. Being in the WNBA, getting to that point, was that something you had to learn? Or do you feel like you were already equipped with that mental stamina and toughness before?
1: Oh, gosh, I think... Um... Yeah. I, I went, I think I came here with it just mm. because of how I grew up. I grew up in Mississippi. I was the youngest of six. Mm. Um, I started playing basketball with my brothers, just following them to, you know, to the court. Um, I, I grew up, you know, working on a farm. So <laughs> like I, I I knew what hard work was and we didn't have, I didn't grow up in privilege. So mm. we didn't have a whole lot. So I was accustomed to making something out of nothing or figuring out how I can get things done with whatever little I had. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then just the way that I was taught the game, um, I had a really good coach who honed in on the fundamentals. He He didn't allow us to Um, soak in our mistakes and in our failures he taught us early I think I learned at nine like about Mm. failing forward right Um, like you have to like failure is necessary yeah you cannot learn if everything goes well all the time you're not growing you're not learning you're not getting better Mm. um and, and and I think that's another thing that I see with a lot of um a lot of younger, younger um, professionals. And when I say younger, I'm talking about under 30 and some, some over 30, Um, not knowing how to fail, not understanding Mm. that failure is okay. It's, and not internalizing it. The project failed. You did. not It doesn't Mm. mean that you're a failure. So sports just kind of, you know, I just developed that mental toughness, that muscle over time, because we don't, we didn't have time to worry about a misplay or a lost game, we had to get prepared for the next one. And okay. so that having that next play mentality, you process what you went through, mm-hmm. you extract the lesson, and then you carry the lesson forward into the next situation.
0: Mm. That I love that you said failing forward because it's never going backwards. It's never I I, I think I thought to myself the other day of all the times that I've had to walk away from a situation or I was forced out of an experience or a place. I, in the moment, it felt like life was crashing down. I was like, I am the worst person in the world, but where I am now, I do not regret or do not feel like, man, if I just had one more chance to go back to that thing years prior, I could be in a better place. It's now just failing forward. And I think that's really important. Um, for everybody to hear, because when you go from college or from, you know, someone who does come from privilege and you step into these environments with so many different personalities, so many different emotions Mm -hmm. that you're having to navigate the work really is secondary. It's who you are as a person. I feel like that is, is, is super important. And I kind of wanted to touch on um, your coaching experience because you did coach mm-hmm. so many different women, so many different personalities. And what did you learn about yourself coaching that you have either taken into life now or that kind of shocked you like wow, I didn't even know at this point in my life I needed to learn this about myself?
1: Um well, that's a great question. Uh one of the reasons I walk, I I left coaching was because I did not understand why I was unable to connect with certain players. Um, And again, it was mostly these new ones coming out of high school, freshmen who did not have the fortitude, the mental, the mental fortitude, you know, like, so I, I came from an era where we played basketball. We didn't have to have an incentive to play. You didn't have to promise us anything to go out there and play hard. We played, we were intrinsically motivated. Hmm. Like the game, being able to play the game, it's was reward in and of itself. Hmm. And so I I noticed that the players who did not have that same commitment to the game, who needed a whole lot of convincing and coddling, I struggled to coach them. I struggled Hmm. because it took a lot of, they needed a whole lot of me and I could not understand why? Mm. Why do you need me to tell you you did a good job every single time you do something? Like, why Why do you need that? Yeah. Affirmation from me. Like, give it to yourself. Mm. Like, if you, if you know you did well, tell yourself you did a good job. <laughs> Not saying that I never did it, but just like every single time. And I wasn't used to players who would quit in the middle of a play. Just quit. What? Because somebody said something... Mm. That they didn't like, or you yelled at me in the timeout, girl. It's like <laughs> ten seconds left in the game, and we're down. What is you, what are you talking Damn. about? Like that kind of stuff. Like I, I, I couldn't. I was like, it's, it's got to be me. Yeah, it, it's got to be me. Um, and so I stepped away from coaching to actually do some work on me as a leader because I didn't like who I needed, who I had become. In order to be in that space. And I was like, yeah, we're not doing this. If I got to, if I have to be like that, I can't do it. And so you asked me, you know, what did I learn about myself? I learned that I, at that time, I I did not have as much self-awareness as I thought I did. Uh. I thought I knew me pretty well until that experience, my last coaching experience, like, I don't know me at all. Mm-hmm. And so I I stepped away and, and started working with the NBA through a um a coaching program, a coaching development program for retired WNBA and NBA players. And I was able to, you know, see and be around, learn leadership at a different level, being in the rooms with GMs and mm-hmm. presidents of operations and seeing how, you know, these NBA players were preparing for the draft and just that mentality and what it takes to run a team and how you deal with the different person. Like, how are you as a coach, if you make 3 million, he make your player makes 30 million. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, develop that relationship enough to where he listens to you when he can like get you fired like that. So, um, yeah, Yeah. just, it, it taught me, coaching taught me that I wasn't as self-aware as I thought I was. Mm. That's so interesting because I,
0: I think going into sports, um, I mean, when I played basketball, I didn't really look to, I mean, you, you look to your coach, like you said, you would give that support, you would give that like, hey, like you did a great job, whatever. But I didn't look to them as a parent to tell me that like, right. this is what I need to do. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, like give me that validation. So it's a, it's a sticky situation because do you, feel like, and I know I keep speaking about our generation, but I know that a lot of your work has to do mm-hmm. with, you know, younger adults, but how do you yeah. parent someone that's my age or today to teach them to have that sense, um, mental strength and, um, agility? Cause someone like my dad, like he's always like, telling me, why are you crying? And I'm like, I just need you. And he's like, we didn't have that. <laughs> so how do you parent yeah. So, you know, our generation to...
1: Well, so so I have kids. I have a 30-year-old. I have a 26-year-old. And then I got 15-year-olds. They're twins. So I'm kind of experiencing... They're teaching me, Mm. to be honest. But I, I would say... Like it takes a lot for like in my generation, it's, it, it works both ways. Like mm-hmm. we have to meet in the middle. Um, And I do hear, I see you on social media all the time where I'm Gen X, where people are saying, Oh, Gen X has disappeared. And where are y'all? And all yeah. this stuff. And you have this kind of like battle going on. It's like, look, we here, but we tired. You know what I'm saying? Like we've had to parent ourselves and we've had to raise our kids. And, but I, I think that, For one, you know, we, I feel like our generation, we have a responsibility, right? Uh To teach you, um, to teach you how to be accountable Uh because the mistake that we made is because we had it so hard growing up, we wanted to make it easier for you all. So we took away some of the struggle Uh that we experienced that made us so mentally strong, Right. And so I think that the way that we rectify it is to have those conversations say, listen, the reason that I tried to take away some of it is because I wanted somebody to take it away from me. When mm-hmm. we look, But if we look back, if we hadn't experienced the struggle, we wouldn't be who we are. Now, having said that, I do believe that because the world has changed in the way that the world that I knew growing up, doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So being able to step into this new way of this new world that we live in, this new way of doing things where you guys can just, hey, Siri, ask her a question and she'll give you the answer. Whereas yeah. we had to look, go to the library. We had to go get an encyclopedia if you could afford it, you know, that kind of thing. So I think you say, how do we parent? I don't think it's so much a part I don't really parent because I have I have about four I have four mentees okay. who are all under 30, who are all guys and you know, men and women, and they're all at different stages. And so what I do is I ask a lot of questions to help them come up with the answer themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of you should do this or you should do that, right? Because we had to figure things out. I create a space with my mentees. To 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 where they have to figure things out, and I'm kind of just the support. If, right. If they, I'm not telling them what to do. Now, if they ask me, what would I do? Of course, I tell them. But I just ask questions to help them think at it, think of it from a different perspective. Because most of the times when they call me, and especially if they have something going on, they're in their feelings, and mm. I'm like, okay, are you finished? Or are you done? Okay, now that you're done crying. How did that change the situation? And what are we going to do moving forward? Right? Mm. Because like I said, you can be in your feelings. You just can't stay there. That is major. Siri. (laughs) She heard you. Yeah. Yeah. You can can be in your feelings. Yeah. You can be in your feelings. You just can't stay there. So I just kind of create a space for them to help them, you know, get in your feelings and get out. Yeah. Like, feel what you're feeling. You got about, you know, like five minutes. 10 at the most and then we need to be thinking about a solution. And the mm. other thing is they they can only our, our the way that we agree to work with each other is and this is, you know, this is kind of our designed alliance. This is how we agree to show up with each other. Mm. You can't bring me a problem without also bringing me a solution. Like you we're so, not going to sit up and cry oh. about problems. You want to <laughs> Yeah, like, if you want to cry about the problem, you're going to have to go get you a therapist, baby, yes. because I can't help you. We're not going to cry about the same thing for a week. That's what oh we're not going to do. But if you're me a problem, then you got to bring me a solution, and let's talk through the solution.
0: Hey, y'all. We're going to take a quick break because this episode is long. It's the longest one I've ever done, and I want to make sure our brains get a rest, even though I'm still talking. I don't have a product of the week this week, but I want to hint at what next week is because you guys are going to actually see on hd camera something on my hands and i wanted to say that for next week however during this break i'm just giving us some time to become present again check on ourselves check your body check your mind check your soul everything around you make sure you're good check your breathing make sure your tongue is not in the top of your mouth make sure your jaw is not clenched straighten your back take a deep breath Relax. All right. Okay. That's enough. Let's go back. Mm, You sound just like my mom. (laughs) Like she is always like, (laughs) right. (laughs) She's always like, okay, before you call me, think of a solution. Think of everything that you can do first. I'll let you cry. And every time I call her and I'm like emotional, she's silent. She's literally for a few minutes. And then she's like, okay, so did you prepare your solutions for this call? If not, call me back and we'll talk about it. So I've, you know, I I fully agree. Um,
1: Because she's teaching you to be able to figure things out because she's not going to always be there to hold hold your hand. There's going to come a time when my kids are going to call me and I'm not going to be able to answer the phone. And if it's a crisis situation, you've got to be able to figure it out. So- it may seem harsh, mm-hmm. you know, it may seem mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, she doesn't care. Actually, she does care and she cares a lot because she's creating a space for you to be able to figure it out on your own so that when those moments come up, your first inclination won't be to call mom. Your first inclination would be a feeling you can, you can stand in a space of empowerment because you know what? Let me just take a minute and step back and look at the situation. And yeah. figure this out. And then you try it. If it works, it does. Or or if it doesn't work, you can at least feel good about yourself. And that helps to build your self-confidence and your self-belief. I at least did try. Yeah. And it may not have worked out 100% the way that I wanted to, but... I did make some progress, right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I mean, it's that's the thing of, again, like ties into when you said failing forward. Like I tried, it might not have worked, but at least now I can call and say, can't be mad at me because I did give some effort. Okay. Like, can I get an A for effort? <laughs> um, but something... I, I, I've found that I struggle with in my adult life is being a creative person, but also knowing that I have to pay my bills and um, struggling with jobs. And I think we're in this place where the structure is, is changing from kind of the older generations, like the boomers and, 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 you know, like that far back to now trying to accommodate the readily available support and help that my generation has. Like you said, we can just talk to Siri and boom, there's an answer. And I find that I get a little antsy. I get a little bored and just like, okay, I need the next thing. And and I don't know how to stay in one place, um, but my bills force me to. So as you're coaching <laughs> – I got, look, I got, I have to have a roof on my head. I got to have food, you know, but um, yeah. As you're coaching um, individuals, where do you see the corporate, um, I don't want to say market, but the environments heading, do you think in the next two or three years, you know, Gen Z millennials are going to be fulfilled fully in the workplace by the things that we want? Or do you see that it's still going to be kind
1: of like, a push and pull um, from each side? I think you all need to manage your expectations. (laughs) I I think you all are are expecting your job to give you all of this. And it's not, it's, it's not, that's, I I don't know where y'all get that from. (laughs) Like your job is not going to give you the fulfillment personally and professionally. Like if you get it, great. But Mm -hmm. You're, that's not even your job that's not the the responsibility of your employer to make sure that you are personally fulfilled because you know if you sign up and you agree you sign your contract your employment agreement and you say i agree to exchange this these amount of hours of my time for x amount of dollars and you know that's what you that's what you signed up for now you have to say okay What do I need from my job professionally? Because professionally is what they're responsible for. Your Mm -hmm. personal, your professional growth, right? That's what they're responsible for. Your personal growth is just that it's Mm -hmm. personal. So that's on you, your self development, your self growth, your self esteem is, is self in front of that. So yourself is responsible for your (laughs) self esteem. And myself is responsible for my self esteem. Like, you guys can't put that. That's not your employer's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Now, they do have things in place where you can develop yourself professionally, which will require you to grow personally and create You know, developing relationships and Mm. understanding how to have these career conversations, you know, how to lead a meeting and things like that Mm. that are pertinent to you being successful at your job that will then carry over into your personal life. But now finding and I understand that because I am a creative person. Yeah. But you have to figure out how to how to get some of that creativity. In the work that you do. And if you can't do it at work, then you do things like you have your own podcast, you create your website. Yeah. You found your you find your own creative outlets outside of outside of work, but your expectation should not be that your employer gives that, provides that to you unless you're a graphic designer or you less unless you work in fashion or yeah. you know, that's the space that you work in, then you have that creative outlet. But if you work in like I don't know, you're in customer service at a at a gas company. <laughs> how, how creative can you be? I mean, but yeah. that's not what they offered you. They didn't say, okay, you can sign up to work here in customer service and we're going to give you this, you know, this freedom to be creative. That ain't what they said. They said, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars for you mm-hmm. to come for X amount of hours for you to come and answer this phone for this from this time to this time, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. That's what we signed up for. That's all you should expect. And we're going to give you the tools to grow professionally, so you can be the best at answering the phone <laughs> these my hours Monday through Friday. Absolutely. That's what that's what we signed up for, right? Yeah. So I think that's a that's really big, and I'm so glad you said that. You said that you guys have to manage your expectation. Your employer is not responsible for you having a, a great life. Like that's not their mm. that's not their responsibility. They their responsibility is providing you a safe work environment that provides you opportunities to grow professionally so that you can do your job Mm. to the best of your ability and, and, you know, climb the career ladder, build relationships, whatever else, but making sure that you're fulfilled creatively, creatively, that, that ain't, that ain't, that's not their job. That's your job.
0: That is, that's very valid. And I mean, you kind of slapped me a little bit with that one because I mean, as like a reality check. (laughs) Um, but I mean, it's the truth. It is. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is kind of I have two questions, but the first one I'm going to ask is mm-hmm. moving off of that. You know, writing your book, being in the position that you're in now, mentoring individuals, work life balance, I think is another thing that's super huge and something that um I have faced with my current employer, where I find that I'm working from nine to nine, on the weekend, sometimes Sunday nights to catch up with my work and still trying to manage, you know, having a life. How do, I'm so sorry, my dog. <laughs> One second. Are you good? I can cut that out. So it's all good. But um, <laughs> how do you find that balance? And how do you demand that balance and set that expectation of like, this is what I can give you, um and this is what you require of me, but I'm going to stand firm and saying I have to have a life outside of my job.
1: Okay. So, I'm going to I'm going to go around the corner, I'll, I'm going to go around the block just to get across the street. So, bear with me. I don't believe I believe that work-life balance is a myth. Mm. What I believe that people are searching for is work-life fit. How does this job fit into my current life. To understand that, you've got to know what you need at this juncture in your life. Mm. Do you need the ability, do you need your weekends free? So if off rip, you know I cannot have a job that requires me to work on the weekends, you should not have a job that requires you to work on the weekends. Off rip. A job that requires you to work on the weekends and that is not a good fit for your life, you're never going to be able to have balance, Mm. whatever kind of balance you're looking for. So it is really taking time to sit down with you Mm. and say, okay, at this stage of my life, not career, but at this stage of my life, who I am right now, what do I need? Mm. I need to be able to afford my lifestyle. What is that lifestyle? Okay. Is this a need or is this a want? I need my weekends free so I can get my creative creativity. I don't want to have to work past five o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do work where I'm working with this group of people, or I want, I need a job where I can do this kind of work. Like you have to really sit down and be intentional and put all these things out on paper. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I need. Mm -hmm. And then when you are looking at a job or your current job, okay. Okay look, balance what you're getting from your job in terms of time, freedom, in terms of, of, of pay, in terms of opportunities for growth in terms, all of those things and see, does this current job fit into the life, like in, into, into my life yes. based on what I said I need. Hmm. And if it does not fit, then either you're going to have to make some changes in what you need in your life or you're going to have to find your job that fits. Hmm. The problem is, A lot of times, and I did this, like when I went and I've seen people, I have friends who they started out coaching college and coaching at the college level is extremely demanding. Mm -hmm. Coaching at the high school level, coaching any sport is extremely demanding. They started out and they were single, right? Didn't Mm -hmm. have any kids so they could stay on the road all the time, Mm -hmm. recruiting. They could be in the gym all the time with the players, be on call. Well, she got married. Then shortly after she had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So now that job coaching college does it no longer fits in her life mm. and trying to force it to fit means that she's going to have, she would have to make sacrifices that she may not be ready to make in order for me to still be able to do and be on the road and recruit. That means that I won't be able to be there with my kids. Yeah. I'm going to miss time with my husband, things like that. So you have to sit down again. You have to be very intentional, get out of your feelings, like, <laughs> It may be a it may be a company, oh my gosh, I really want to work for this company, I really, really do. Because if I work for this company, it's gonna look really good on my resume, but you're miserable. Miserable. And you don't have no life. And you crying before you go into work. Yeah. Like who wants to live like and you hate your job, you hate your boss because it's it's not. Giving you, providing the quality of life that you desire. Listen, this is my thing. Mm -hmm. I believe everybody deserves to have a job that they want, get the job they want, doing work that they love, that affords them the lifestyle that they desire. Mm -hmm. That is what a job has to be for me, a career. It has to be the one that I want, doing work that I absolutely love, that affords me the lifestyle that I desire. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I need. And so... You have to figure out what career do you want or what job do you want? What kind of work do you want to do? And does this job give me, afford me the lifestyle that I that I desire to have? Absolutely. I mean, and, and it doesn't matter what age you are or what stage of your career you're in. You should be looking for those things, in my opinion. Mm. Now, I could be wrong, but... I think it's more of work-life fit mm. than work-life balance. I don't
0: disagree with you at all. I think you actually came back around the corner very well. Like <laughs> that's, that's perfect because <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I'm definitely in that space of, I want to tell on myself,
1: but we're always you know. looking, you know, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll snap. I mean, Everybody should be. You should should always be looking because here's the thing. Your job, my job, anybody, they can send you an email in the morning and be like, look, thank you, but your services are no longer needed. Right? And Mm. then what are you going to do? So I say you you should always be prepared because preparation prevents panic. Mm. You should always be documenting, you know, any new skill that you've learned. Like your resume is a living document. You Mm. should always keep track of any projects that you worked on. What was your contribution to the project? What was the outcome of the project? Like any meetings that you've led, any kind of different innovations that you've created at work, anything. Mm. Like you should always be updating your resume. And I would, I mean, I would say once a quarter. If not, I mean, obviously if you're doing something like once a month and you're having, you have a new accomplishment or something like that, then you make sure that you document it. But once mm-hmm. a quarter, that thing should be updated and at, mm-hmm. at minimum once a quarter. Now I do would recommend, you know, every 30 days, you should be taking, okay. day, especially <laughs> if you're doing things at work, you know, yeah. if you are like, I work in change management, so we're always doing training. We're always, you know, developing programs and things like that. So, honey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm update my, like, you know, just documenting awesome. things every week. So I would say every month you should take the time, take the time to reflect at the end of the month. Okay. What projects did I work on this month? What, um, did I receive any high fives or any acknowledgements? Mm. Did I lead a meeting? How did the meeting go? You know, like, did I take a new class? Did I learn a new skill mm. and being able to document those things? But yeah, you should never, you should, and, and to say, oh, you, you're always looking, it means that you're being disloyal to your current employer. No, it's not. It's you're being prepared. Like you're being, you're just being prepared. Now yes. looking doesn't mean that you're out here applying.
0: Like, right, you know right, what I mean? It doesn't no. mean
1: that. But you, you definitely should always be seeing, okay, what is the, even if it's for only to see, you know, what's the job market looking like? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what are the skills that are in high demand right now? Like and, and because what we're doing is we're shifting to a skills based economy. Mm. It's no longer where you have to have a degree or you have to. Ha- of course, if you're gonna be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor, yeah, you need right. a degree. I'm gonna <laughs> need you to be cool. But for a lot of these roles, especially in tech, you know, do you have do you have the training? Do you mm. have the knowledge? Do you have the skill set? Do you have any experience? Like you can create any kind of you know a career path so many different ways but it's going again it's personal development mm. it's 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 personal growth so it ha- it's personal for you so it the onus is uh, the onus is on you to make this happen like it's not up to your employer to say okay you need to upskill in this area right. if you know that you want to move up to a new level and you need skills then it's up to you to go out and get them mm-hmm. your employer may provide courses or may have partnerships with universities where you can get tuition discounts but at the end of the day you own your career mm, mm. you own your career you're responsible for it and you've got to decide what you want your career to be like that's on you i i love
0: that and it leads me to ask you know seeing a black woman in such a great um, or, or on such a great level in the corporate world, what is really the issue with diversity and inclusion? And what do you think are really holding back people of color from being in these high positions?
1: Okay, what I've seen is a lot of black on black crime in, in corporate America. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Like <laughs> we don't we don't do a very good job of helping other people of color up yeah, because it's so hard sometimes to get in those spaces. Um, Like I was just having a conversation with one of our VPs. Again, I was the only black person in the room. Mm. It was all women, but I was the only black person at my previous company. I was there for a few years. I was the only black person on my team and Mm. I was on a couple different teams. I was the only black person on that team team I I'm on now. I'm the only black. Matter of fact, I'm one of maybe three black people on our entire floor. And there are a couple, there are a hundred of us. So, I mean, it's, we have to get more, more of us into those leadership positions and I Okay. So when you're in your career, you need three people right Mm -hmm. on your team. You need a coach, you need a mentor and you need a sponsor. Okay. Right. And a, a mentor, a coach, Is somebody who is going to help you, um, to pull your, pull your potential out. Like they don't necessarily have to have the same experience or knowledge. They just need to be somebody who has some experience, more experience than you Mm. and can help you answer questions for yourself. A mentor is somebody who, who talks, you know, like, with you right mm. like they, they talk to you so a coach talks with you your mentor talks to you and your sponsor speaks for you right okay. that sponsor is the person who has influence at a certain level who can who can speak on your behalf to help you get another job mm. right who can open up doors for you a mentor is somebody who is who has probably gone down the path that you're currently on who can provide insight mm. who can provide their own personal experiences kind of help you you know just okay this is what i experienced and this is how i did it mm. and a coach is that person who's going to really just support you in whatever it is you choose to do i love that right yeah so i i think that you asked what the issue is is number one um, I think diversity and inclusion at some spaces, <laughs> companies talk it, but they don't do it. Uh-huh. They, they talk it, but they do not do it. And then when you have those, you know, us African-Americans in those roles, it was so hard for them to get there. A lot of them are insecure. Uh-huh. What I've seen, it's been my experience, that they're afraid to to open that door and, and let somebody else come in. Uh-huh because they're afraid that they may lose their space. Right. Mm. I've never been a gatekeeper. Like I'm always, listen, if you're a better person for the job than me, I want you to have it because if I'm not a good fit for it, I want to be miserable exactly. and I don't want to be miserable. Yeah. So if it's your yeah. dream, you know, I, I, if that's your dream job, let me help you get it. Even though I may be qualified and I could possibly get the job. I probably don't want it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that number one, we don't, we don't, Support each other enough in the way that we should when we get in those roles in the when we have the influence to help other people. Mm-hmm. It's too much of like I said, it's black on black crime. It's too much of that crabs in the barrel mentality. Yeah. It doesn't have to. It can be just. It can be more than one of us at the tape. like it, it can be more <laughs> than one of us, right? Yes, it can be more more than one of us. And two, the other side of that is. When the opportunities come, a lot of times we aren't prepared. Mm. We spend so much time complaining and you know, bickering and mad, having an attitude about not getting the opportunities that when the door is open, for us to have those opportunities, how prepared are we to walk mm. through that door? So that's the other thing. When we when we say we want something, when we say we want to seat at that C-suite table, are we prepared for mm. it? Yeah. Like, have you done your homework? Have you just because and just because a person has been in their role for the last 10 years doesn't mean that they're ready for the next level. You can be ineffective and still be in your role for 10 years or 15 years or five years. Right. So just because you've been in a space for a long time does not mean that you're ready to move up. And just because you haven't been in a space for a long time, maybe you've only been there in two years, three years. It doesn't mean that you're not prepared to move up. Right? Absolutely. So I think that it's 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 twofold. We don't have enough of um uh, black executives who are in those decision-making roles mm. who who are willing to first of all, we don't have enough of us. And then two, the ones, a lot of the ones who are there, they aren't willing to reach back and not give a hand out, but give a hand up even yeah. if it's just a conversation even if it's just an introduction like you don't have to give i don't want something that i didn't earn anyway right but being willing to say listen i know this fabulous young lady she's young she's bright i think you you know just have a conversation with her let's keep our eye on her she's a high potential you know employee may be good for leadership in the next year or so like
0: give let's something. do that
1: i don't <laughs> Have a, yeah, I don't think we have enough people doing that. But then, too, on the other side of that, I don't think that there are enough of us who are speaking up and saying, listen, mm. I want this. I want to go to the next level. How can I get there?
0: Mm. And then when mm. they
1: give you the feedback, implement the the action steps. If they say, OK, mm. well, you you may need to. Like with me, it's, you need to be better about building (laughs) relationships, building relationships. I don't do well with small talk and corporate America is riddled with small talk. So I'm, I'm getting out of that. Um, Yeah. yeah. I'm getting out of that because it's necessary. Like it's necessary. Absolutely. I,
0: I, you touched on something that has literally been my experience recently where I had, a Black manager who I admired and I was so excited to work for because he is just sharp. He is on top of everything, he's passionate. But I felt like, one, the company did not support w- our working relationship, um, specifically because certain um, employees found us to be. I don't want to say threatening, but maybe it made them a little bit uncomfortable, which then indirectly or directly affected our working relationship. And I felt like he was a million times harder on me because he wanted me to be better and he wanted me to do better. But there was also like a, a, a certain amount of pressure on him to make sure that I was good enough for where he was going. And so if you, you were coaching or mentoring someone in a position like that. What conversations are, are needing to be had? Am I advocating for myself or am I shutting up, doing the work, making sure I'm holding myself accountable
1: and then hoping that it moves me forward in my career? So if I were coaching you um, in that, I would ask you what variables in this situation are within your control? Like, Mm -hmm. what can you absolutely control? You have no control over what somebody else's perception is. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. you you don't control impact. You can control, like, the influence that you give and Mm -hmm. how you are interacting and how you are showing up, but you, you, you don't control how that lands, right? Right. So my thing would be, you have to identify what you can control in the situation and control what you can control. Focus, like just kill the noise. Like mm-hmm. you, you you cannot concern yourself with what other people are thinking or if they feel threatened or whatever, that's, that's a them problem. That's not a you problem. I also right. would have a conversation depending on the nature of the relationship that you have with your manager and just bring it to his attention. Cause it may not be something that he's aware of, right? Mm. It may be a subconscious reaction, right? I don't want them to know or think anything. So let me be harder on her. So I, de- again, depending on the relationship that you have, I would ask, I would say, listen, I don't know if this has been intentional, but it mm. seems like since we had this conversation about you know, their perception of us. It seems like you've gotten a lot are the dynamics of our, our relationship. Our working relationship has changed. It seems like you're a lot, right. um, a lot harder on me now. I don't want to misconstrue it. I don't want it. I don't want to take it personally. So is this that you are tightening the reins, so to speak, because you want me to be better or do better? And if so, can you tell me exactly in what areas I should focus on developing in or do you feel pressure to be harder on me so that they don't see, mm. they don't feel like, is there pressure on you to be harder, harder on me? And if so, then we need to talk about that because this ain't working. Like, just have yeah. an honest conversation. <laughs> Again, depending yeah. on the nature of the relationship, that's that advocating for yourself. Identify okay. what you can control. Have a conversation and say, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. Help me to you know, process this because I don't want to misconstrue it and take it personally, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I want to go, I want to, you know, I want to level up or I want to advance in my career. I want the same for you. And mm-hmm. so if I'm aligned to you, I want to know number one, what I can do to make sure that I am showing up. In the way that mm-hmm. I need to, and also that I am delivering on my responsibilities, and also how can I support you? And in support, mm. you support them by you being great at what you do, not supporting their right. little feelings and none of that. I'm not talking about that, <laughs> but just, like, yeah, in my role, how can I support you? Like that's what I'm talking about. Let me be clear about that. Okay, <laughs> does that um, make sense? No, that's that's
0: that's perfect. Like I, I feel like. A major fear that a lot of Black women may have, um, and you're such a strong person, and you've done so many amazing things. Is, and this is actually something that I've seen being talked about on TikTok recently: is the attitude that Black women are. Maybe we have a bad attitude if we advocate for ourselves, or if we're strong, or if we do go and and question certain things that are happening. So, do we feel and? how do we stay empowered in doing that? Is there a specific way that we advocate for ourselves that doesn't come off as an attitude? Or like you said, sometimes we can't worry about the noise and just say, look, this is who I am. My work is excellent. I know that I'm doing a great job, but if you can't adjust to my attitude, that's not my problem. How do you approach that?
1: Well, there is a way to say things. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe in this whole sandwich method. Like, oh, give them the nice stuff first and then hit them over the head. Like, I don't believe in that. Yeah. Right. Like, you say something nice and then you give the back. Like, I don't believe in all that. I'm very much a person. Now, It, I'm still working on this because I'm very I'm very much a direct person. Like, I will mm-hmm. just say what it is. And because and this is what you have to understand, too. People who are insecure and who are unsure of themselves are always going to be intimidated or feel intimidated by someone who is confident and who is sure Mm. of themselves. Like when I speak, I speak definitively. There is nothing that I say Mm. that I can't stand behind, whether right or wrong. And if I'm wrong, I don't have a a problem with saying that and then apologizing and let's move forward. Now, mm. I'm not shaking my head and moving my neck and doing all of that, right? Like, I'm not I'm not doing all of that. But, you know, you can't wor- I don't worry about that that whole angry black woman stigma. Like I just don't buy into it because that's not me. And right. if you want to categorize me as such because I am speaking up for myself very intelligently, which I have every right mm-hmm. to, then there is something that you need to look within yourself at. That's not a me problem. Mm. That's a you problem. And I Mm. think you talk about me being very strong, you know, and, and being brave. Obviously I learned that from sports, but I'm not afraid of losing a job no matter how Mm. much I may need it. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm not afraid of that because I mean, I, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Christ. I know my source, like this job is just a resource. And if if I lose this one, I can get. I'm great enough that I can get another one. Like Absolutely. even in this job market, like I just like my mindset is I, I understand what's going on. Like I see it, but I'm still not afraid. Especially mm-hmm. when I know that I am in the right. I've handled things above board. I've been a person of integrity. I've have handled things integrally. Right? Mm. I don't know if that's a word, but we're gonna (laughs) like I've been integral every with my dealings, and I've done you know, I follow protocol. You're just mad because I'm confident enough to stand here flat footed ten toes down and say what it is and not flinch, I'm not raising my voice, I'm not yelling, I'm not twirling my neck, I'm not mad, I don't have an attitude. I'm just stating facts, I'm just stating what it is. And if you don't have if you have issue with that, that's not a me. It's not my job mm. to, you know, like, soften that for you. Like, that. that's just, your feelings are not my job. Mm. Now, again, tone matters. Like, how you say things, it does matter. I don't believe in, I don't revere people.
0: Mm.
1: Like, I don't put people on a pedestal. Because they're a VP or this or that. Ooh. Like, I just don't. Um, I respect the work that people have put in to get to where they are. But I don't fear people. Mm. Like, I don't, I won't walk into a room full of, you know, I wouldn't walk into the room with the president of my current company and feel like, oh my God, yeah. it's him. I'd walk in, shake shake his hand and say, hey, I'm Yolanda. You know, nice to meet you and mm. sit down and, okay, what are we doing Yeah. Right. I think that when people stop putting other people on a pedestal based on their title, again, I have mad respect for anybody who has put in the time like 10, 15, 20 years Mm -hmm. to develop their career and their skill set and master it and to be where they are. I have mad respect for that, but I'm not going to I'm not going to fear nobody. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to revere anybody like respect is honorable. You know, like I'm not. I'm not saying to dishonor people, but I'm not shaking in my boots because you're a VP right. and you walked in the room. Cause quite and frankly, I, do that. I might be
0: the VP too. So let's, let's all, I'm very, you know, you, you are capable of I'm, stepping
1: into that role as well. Absolutely. So I think when, when we detach from, you know, if, if you can get, come to that resolve mm-hmm. that I'm okay. If, if, If God says, you know, if i get to eat, again, if they come to me and say, Yolanda, your services are no longer needed, would I be disappointed? Yes. Mm -hmm. Would I be upset? Absolutely. But I'm not going to, I mean, life isn't over. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and when people feel like you, it's again, it's like in a relationship, if somebody has, has made you feel like you can't live without them and you become solely dependent on them, mm. then they start to treat you a certain kind of way. Cause yep. they know that they're all you, that you have. Right. And that's not to say that you're not grateful for your job or what have you, but you're not married to any company. Like mm. at the end of the day, that's your job, your company, not mine. Absolutely. And it, it's not my business. And so when they start to make cuts because it's going to suit their company. If they feel like they're about to lose money and they need to make cuts, they're not gonna care about my feelings.
0: Absolutely. You know, like
1: they're not gonna care about how it impacts my family. Mm-hmm. They don't care about those things. So I think just getting to the coming to that resolve or, or getting to that that point where, you know, I'm here for the for however long I'm here. Yes, I would love to stay here, retire from there. But if that doesn't happen, mm. I am confident in my ability. And the skills that I've developed up to this point to know that I can go somewhere else to another company and add just as much value there than I did as I did here. And so when you when you come from that space, then you're okay. You're confident to speak up for yourself. You're confident enough to advocate for yourself. You're confident. You you know, you're you're brave and it's not easy being brave. I've learned but. When you, when you come to those, when you have those personal convictions, I think that it's easier to kind of stand up for yourself I and not care if they think you the angry black woman or not.
0: <laughs> I love that. Like, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And I think, um, I think we just have to understand that being misunderstood is going to be a part of life. And um, you know, Mm -hmm. stigmas and, um, uh, cannot think of the word. Uh, what is it? Not racism, but, uh, when you.
1: Stereotypes. Yes.
0: Thank you. (laughs) My gosh. Um, that is, you know, it's going to be there and it's up to us to really change the narrative. Um, and, and it takes one person sometimes to affect, one VP's mindset of who Black people are by changing that narrative. So I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head with that.
1: I think too, we got to deal with our own issues and heal our own traumas because a mm-hmm. lot of us are dealing with, you know, we're not healed and we're in the workplace and somebody says something and now you triggered and now yeah. you're going off and then you get reprimanded and now you're mad. And like, you know, you got, again, there's, there's that self-awareness piece. Mm-hmm. I I know myself well enough to know when I need to remove myself from a conversation. Um, I've learned how to coach myself in certain situations. I know when I'm being triggered. And if I can't remove myself physically, I know how to remove myself mentally, mm. but still be in the room, even if it's for a moment so that I can, you know, stay in, like come back and stay in, be engaged in the conversation without, going off yeah. on somebody because they say something stupid and sideways talking sideways. Like, come on. Well, I, I that
0: yeah. actually leads me, what you just said, it leads me to my last question because the Lalo podcast, um, I really wanted to create this to amplify um voices, especially black voices, of individuals who are doing great things, but also things that aren't super normalized. So, you know, you mentoring and and being in the position you're in and coming from where you've been, I think you represent that really well. So I always want to make sure I ask my guest in this day and time with your schedule, with your responsibilities, how do you lay low? What are things that you do outside
1: of, of work in this? Ooh. I think i mastered laying low. Honey, really? When I'm, when I'm off work, I'm off work. Oh yeah. When I'm off work, I'm off work. Mm. Like, I don't, (laughs) like, I don't, mm -mm. I leave work at work. If something didn't get finished, it'll get finished tomorrow. Love that. But when I get home, I decompress. Like, I will find me a good, um, like, right now, I just finished Scandal. Nice. Like, I watched, because I didn't watch Scandal when it was on. Yeah. um, Because I I don't really watch TV like that. I'm always either reading or when I watch things, it's something like self development or something mm. like that. So I'm watching YouTube a lot. So I started just, you know, decompressing like I'll watch find me a series. I just started, I think it's called Family Business on uh, mm. Netflix. So I just started watching that. Um so that's what I do. I mean, or I'll go uh, like my happy spot, like my happy place, mm-hmm. happiest place on earth. Um outside of just, you know, spending time with God. It's Sephora, <laughs> baby. I'm in Sephora. Okay? I love it. <laughs> I am in Sephora. I am playing in makeup. I am doing all the things. Like, yeah, like the, I, I find things that make me happy and have nothing to do with work whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's my time. I'm gonna do it. I don't care. I'm, I make time for me. Yeah, I'm a priority in my life. But I make it a point, when I'm off work, I am off work. When I'm on PTO, Mm. I am on PTO. Like I don't, I disconnect 100% because I need to know where I I begin, where the job ends and Yolanda begins. Mm. And I think a lot of like being an athlete, we lose ourselves and we lose our identity in the sports. So when we're no longer playing the sports, that's why we struggle a lot because Who we are has so been much been like has been a part of sport. Like that's where we got our identity and our confidence. And I see people in corporate America, they become the work, they become yeah. the job, and you don't know when the job ends. And they mm-mm, no, yeah. when I leave, when I clock out, I'm clocked out. Peace, one thousand percent clocked out.
0: Yeah. i i I so appreciate you taking the time and i'm really invested you know my mom i I remember when i first met you um i first of all i don't (laughs) i don't remember a lot of things i actually just got an app that is helping me um like remember names and like facts about people because i don't i think it's like something to do with adhd out of sight out of mind so you were someone that i remembered very well. (laughs) Me <laughs> oh, I'll send it to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Please. Yes. But I just remember I was like, wow, she's so tall and so beautiful. And I just was captivated. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, in the future, something that I would love to be able to do is come and see you speak or be um, a part of, you know, if you do mentorship or um like a workshop or anything and then kind of have more time to dive deeper in person and kind of ask more questions based off of what I see with my eyes and what I feel in your presence doing that. I would love to have that opportunity.
1: Listen, girl, I have known you for a long time. Yes need a beady girl. <laughs> um so absolutely listen you know I would love to um uh, you know to talk with you uh, like outside of here you have my number Courtney yeah. you have my like I know where you live I know your mama so just you know I would love to 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 share space with you anytime um and if you decide that you know I would be a good mentor for you then absolutely you know you know I'm going to I'll I'll shoot it to you straight, but it'll yeah. definitely be with love. Um, I've always thought the world of you, your brother, your mom, you know, just how close you guys are. And you're such a beautiful girl. Oh, thank and you. And all the things that you're doing, I'm so proud of you. Um, and I, I'm I'm so looking forward to to seeing you grow in this space um with your podcast, because I saw some some clips from your previous uh episodes. Oh yeah. I think you're super dope.
0: Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you, and I think the it's world. Fun. Um, I and and when I say do this on a on a deeper level, it's I, I want to record again and the world to hear even more because we need voices like you. So, I just I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Well, listen, we may have to talk offline because, child, I've been trying to get on TikTok. Oh yeah, and do my thing. I just don't have the patience. I can give you the I don't rundown. I don't, I don't, that's, that's what I'm talking about, that, that, that bridge of the gap. Yeah. Because see, y'all have a patience to sit there and figure stuff out. I'm like, look, this is between TikTok, Instagram, and, and, and LinkedIn, and YouTube, and Facebook, and I don't even know what else is out there. I'm sure it's Snapchat and, so many. and threads and all the things. I'm like, it's overwhelming. Yeah.
0: So, I can yeah, give you the so rundown. We definitely
1: have to talk about Okay.
0: Perfect. I want to thank Yolanda for joining me for this episode. This was the first time that we recorded virtually and I really felt like I still was connected even if we weren't in person. Next Thursday, episode 6, y'all get ready. It's going to be a good one. Have a great week. Take care of yourself. Bye!